0: Can't really
1: worry about that. It's 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 not my my control how many goals we're gonna score. I have to worry about my own job, you know, and do do what I can to help the team to win. Kind of when you start to you know think about those things, you know, it, it takes away from your own focus on uh, off your f- own game. So you kind of just try to dial it in to your own game.
0: Welcome back to hour number three of Sports Talk Saturday here, Derek Kramer, and now with Brayton Wilson at my side. That was Uko Pekalukainen, one of the few things that you can hold with high pride uh, of this Sabres season there, as the Sabres netminder has become a revelation in goal, unfortunately for a team that can't back it up with some support and goal scoring of their own. It's kind of strange, the transformation of, uh, of UPL this season.
1: It's been nice to see. It really has been nice to see just because last year he looked very inconsistent. We've seen flashes of Ukopakalukanen in his entire time in the organization with the Sabres. Uh, He has these stretches of really nice games. Then either an injury or an illness, as we've experienced this year, throws things off a little bit. And then we see a little bit of a derailment where he struggles a little bit. Hopefully that doesn't happen this time around. But yeah, it's been really really nice to see Ukopacak Lukin starting to kind of come into his own. He was a guy, remember back when he played at uh Sudbury in the Ontario Hockey League just before uh joining the Sabres organization. He was if I remember correctly, he was the MVP of the uh of the oh, the Ontario Hockey League that year. That that was a huge statement point in terms of just how uh, his view was looked at in the organization. I'm just looking real quick. Yeah, he was the most outstanding player. He was he was awarded the most outstanding award player in the Ontario Hockey League during the 2018-19 season. And right afterwards, he went straight to Rochester and played a couple games, I think, but looked, but looked pretty promising. And then he had the hip surgery. I think it was, it was like double hip replacement that he had. And then from there, it was about re- rebuilding his style of play, rebuilding his movement, his Double hip surgery is, is no joke. I mean, you literally have to try to reestablish yourself that way. And he's climbed up the ranks, and now this year he's starting to finally find himself, and he's earned that right to be the number one goaltender right now because, you know, we're waiting on Devin Levi to continue his development, but we're still uh, not really seeing anybody else that really has any sort of flash in the pan. Eric Comrie, he played on Thursday night, looked okay. fine. He looked good.
0: But uh, the team in front of him, yeah, did, didn't help. did not Did not no, they did not. And Lukanen is doing well in by not just advanced metrics, but also in the standard statistics. Like 10th in the league in goals against average, 914 save percentage. Like he's been good consistently now throughout this year. And there was only that hiccup of uh, he went out with an illness, Levi had to come back in and Lukanin comes back after that, and kind of like a little bit of a shaky start on his return. But ever since then, he's been the guy. Just imagine if this is the goaltending that we got from Ukopaka, Lukanin, or
1: somebody last year. Anybody last Anybody year. Anybody last year. They're a year. playoff team. 100% they're a playoff team. And then just imagine if that happens, and then this year happens the way it is. Everybody says, okay, it's an off year. Last year, they, ha- they had everything rolling. It was great. Maybe this year's just an outlier. We kind of go through the rest of this season, we regroup, and then come back next year and say, okay, find yourselves again, and then get back to work. But now, as as Paul has stated, and I agree with Paul, it's almost like this offseason becomes, which of the two seasons is your outlier? Is it last season that was, hey, you had a nice, great run at the end of the year, you missed out on the playoffs by a point, or is it this year where it's, Okay, we're we're maybe not as good as we thought we are. That's that's where they have to figure it out in the off season. I mean, there's still what 29 games left in the season, and they could make some sort of run. It doesn't seem likely at this point. Yeah, this year but, I can write off. I mean, if if I mean, even if you win 20 games in in the last 29, and then you have five overtime losses in there, so you go 24 and five. That makes things really interesting it's they're probably not going to be a playoff team but like that's that's all you're kind of hoping for at this point is the playoffs they're likely not going to happen but just just put up some sort of run try to figure something out maybe at the deadline actually do something make a move see if you can add a player to to better off your team not just for the rest of this season but going forward i think that's something that kevin adams has to seriously consider is trying to figure out okay who's going to fit for the long term Who can we look in this group that, you know, hey, we like this player, but if we can go out right now and get somebody that's better, that fits the team now and helps us now and into next season, that's where the team should start to focus instead of trying to continue to just kind of sit on their hands, try to let the prospects develop and just hope that they get into the NHL and then just all of a sudden click because the Sabres are still one of the youngest teams in the entire NHL, if not the youngest. They are again. Yes, they are the youngest team. You can't just continue to sit there and just think,
0: well, the experience is going to get them somewhere. It only goes so far. Exactly. And I think the other part of this is, like you just mentioned, upgrade is probably the best way to go about it. But that's not a deadline deal. That's not something you typically do when the trade deadline is ticking behind you. Mm Mm-hmm. That is an off-season move. That's an NHL draft trade.
1: It's not to say that it's not possible to make an NHL trade. At I'm the not trade expecting deadline. It, it. No, no. I mean, I'm you not going to try to get it. fans'
0: hopes up here. No. I think the big thing you want to do as a team right now is, honestly, get people's butts back in the seats mm-hmm. again, and that means playing better at home. They are 12, 15, and one at home. At least on the road, they're a 500 team. But again, they just. They still can't find ways to win at home, which is one of the biggest mysteries to me because the minute you start showing promise at KeyBank Center, the fans show up again because it, we're that desperate to see a team yeah. successful. You and I were at the game last week. There yes, was not a bad attendance. There was not that bad of attendance no, there for, for a team that's a been struggling. Saturday 1 o'clock game, it was not a bad attendance. It was not a bad attendance for a team that's been struggling and is in We've seventh it place worse. in the Atlantic. We've seen it far worse. But the thing is that if you want to get people to go after work on a work day, on a weekday, you need to be better at home. Mm-hmm. Last year you were not as good of a home team. 27th overall in
1: the NHL at home, which is bad. Yeah. It's bad. And this year no a team better. that was 1 point away from a playoff berth, if they had your gods on the road. If they had 3 more
0: wins at home, you're probably a playoff team and Safely. then from there all bets are off. Safely Safely. Safely. safely a playoff team because you missed by one point. You change one game's outcome and you're there. Yeah. No, I, I, it, it is frustrating with, the, with
1: just everything kind of with the like, Sabres at how, home.
0: That's how Leaf games have become far more imbalanced in terms of Toronto fans being there. That is how you get teams that are having their fan bases show up. Like the tweet from the Panthers the other night <laughs> of, uh, hey, these, these fans have traveled here. It's like, calm down. We're we're pissed at this team. okay? yeah, don't don't go bragging about your fan base, because right now ours is not proud of the team that we have.
1: Yeah. The overall experience of Sabres hockey at home the past two seasons has been very infuriating because they've had games like the seven nothing win against the Kings. That's fun hockey. Last year, I can count number of times where they've had fun hockey on home ice. But at the same time, there have been miserable experiences at the arena because of the team or the experience, however you want to play it out. You know Almost th- every time you host Columbus? We've talked about we've talked about this a little bit last week. When you go to a sabres game It it helps when the environment kind of is is electric. You know, there's a little f u mentality, not just from the team on home ice, but also the the crowd, the environment. And you know, when I when when you go to a Sabres game, I want to be able to hear you know uh, like a Nashville Predators game, or if you've even been to a Bandits game lately. Bandits games. Bennis games are a riot. You go to a game and you've got fans cheering and um, or jeering, I should say, the opposing team's goaltender. Like those are fun environments that uh, you know you go and it, no team wants to come and play in Buffalo. You look at the Bills; nobody wants to come to Buffalo to play the Bills because of the environment, the fans. How good the Bills are. Even when the Bills were bad, fans were still showing up and making the environment fun and difficult for the other team. Bandits games. No no other team wants to come to Buffalo to play the Bandits or anything like that. I'm just going to throw that out there. When teams come to Buffalo, they always come and say, yeah, it's an easy two points for us. We should win this game because the Sabres are bad. And when that happens, you know, people are just disinterested. And I get it. Wins... Will help. Wins will help turn the environment and make games more fun. that will make the environment more fun. But at the same point, I feel there has to be more in order to kind of help the fans kind of buy in more. And I think if that happens, I think you'll see more heart from the from the players. I think you'll see more physicality, guys getting a little more emotional. Because I, I I do admit, like it just seems like there are just sometimes when you go to a home game and the emotion is at zero. It's in the negatives. It is that low. There's just no vibes in the building. There's no passion. You see the other team score, and it just deflates even more. Even if the Sabres get out to a two-goal lead, next thing you know, it's tied within the span of two minutes and 48 seconds or something like that. And it's right back to zero. Yeah. Like, that's the, that's the type of environment that needs to change with the team, with the the experience overall. And, it, and I get it. Like, you know, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. Maybe I'm being a little too critical. But at the same point, you know, there are a lot of times when people talk about the players feeding off of the fans, feeding off of the home experience, the buildings. Teams go to Buffalo and – they put up you know they feed off of the energy that the fans are giving for the home team because you know you're hearing them boo and everything the opposing teams come here and they're just like oh no we've got them at the ropes you get you get out
0: to a one nothing lead it's almost like games over right away and the thing is though the sabers also this season in particular are not good at preventing the first goal against they mm-hmm. are oftentimes fighting and clawing in games whether it's home or on the road just and that's not, gonna ha- that's not going to that's not going to help is the minute that that happens then the fan base will go ahead and turn around and go, "Well, here we go again. They're chasing and let's see if they can do it." Whereas last year, if they gave up that first goal, you're like, "Okay, they probably they'll probably score and uh, and we'll make this a game." Yeah. The thing is is that it's just how it's been happening this year and how deflating the offensive output has been that that energy has been sapped. Like if they were losing games the same way that they were losing last year, I'd kind of be okay with it. Like, yeah, you'd want a goalie to make a dang save, whatever, whatever, <laughs> yeah. but uh, at the same time, I would perfectly be capable of dealing with losing six to four if that's the way you're losing. I think those, or are the, even three to two, those are the more tolerable ways ways to lose. Absolutely, you lose the the people that drove through to the snowstorm, ways, seven to three ways. The the I, think about it, ready the snowstorm games. Yep, like after after it was postponed, same weekend as the wild card game, and fans even going from said Sabres game to wild card game. Yeah, what did you get? Well, the game before you got zero goals. You mm-hmm. lost one nothing to the Vancouver Canucks, a good hockey team, yeah. mind you. Uh, Thatcher Depco really good. He actually was really good in that game, but you couldn't reward those that risk their necks to drive out there with a goal.
1: Mm-hmm. Dang
0: it! Like that doesn't <laughs> help. It does. Like the the problem is, you're right. There is a bit of a uh, a misery cloud within the seats, but I don't know how you fix that without winning. No, and I understand. And that's the problem is that. Over the years of the longest NHL playoff drought in its history, it's very easy now for this fan base to go, well, same old Sabres. And that's a problem. It's a big problem. It's a huge problem. But the thing is, there's only one way my stomach is not happy <laughs> I was about have, to say, I've heard it. I've I heard it a couple not, times. I'm I, like, should, not I should not have eaten that stale donut. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> embrace, Embrace it. I, I embraced the crunch. It was not a good idea. Yeah. Not, it was not think a good twice idea. About before, think twice before you embrace the crunch. Yeah, or just ask questions of, hey, how long have these been here? <laughs> yeah, that that probably
1: should have been the first question you
0: had. How long have these been here? How long have these been here? Hey, hey Brayton, how long have these donuts
1: been here? Because I could have told you, yeah, they've been there for a few days.
0: Yeah, you you showed up after I
1: ate the donut. I'm sorry, you could have texted me. <laughs> We're getting off track now. We are, but that's what happens
0: on a Derek Kramer show. That's okay. That's okay. That's what I do. I'm used to it. Yes, I've you, I've known you long enough. You've I'm known me long it. enough, uh, but and again, it's just going back to this thing of where there's only one way to cure it now. You could have done something different with presentation, or um, atmosphere, environment, or in-game entertainment. That, yeah, those are off-season things that that but you can address. The organization can only do so much now. Right. That's now, the thing.
1: Now it's the okay. They're not we, winning stuff. Do we want to see some of the young talent here? And get them some action to see how they can respond after playing well in Rochester. Is it, hey, you know, making those notes of who's going to be in the long term future, who's part of the core, who maybe isn't part of the core, who can we use that we think could be part of the core, but we could easily throw into a deal to try and get someone who can help the core now and and become part of the core. Those are the decisions that Kevin Adams should be contemplating, and I'm sure he is. I'm sure him and his staff are, are contemplating those moves right now. And you've got, what, two and a half weeks before the trade deadline, if not less than yesterday was the three-week mark. It, it's it's about trying to find out those moves that, hey, who's a guy out in the market who's young that we could bring in now that, A, will help the team, the young team that we have now, going into the rest of this season and immediately into next season and the next season after that. Or, you know, who maybe is out there right now on a team who's good but is facing the problems of, oh, no, we've we've got the pieces here but we're in a cap crunch, and I know the salary cap's going to go up a a significant amount next year, but you've got to take advantage of those opportunities where it's just... There are players out there that are going that are very good. I think of a, the Ross Colton situation last year. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who've been very good over the past few years. Ross Colton was a very nice depth player that probably on a different situation could have a little bit more of an impact role. The Lightning didn't have the cap space to be able to say, Ross, we're going to give you a nice contract, and you're going to be able to be part of our long-term future. They understood that wasn't happening. So what happened is they essentially made him available. And Colorado Avalanche came calling and said, "We want Ross Colton." And Ross Colton, Colton goes there and gets a nice, fresh, new contract—a four-year deal, if I can recall the right way. That those are the type of deals the Sabres. It may maybe the off-season, but you could take advantage of that at the trade deadline. There's there's nothing saying that you can't make a hockey deal at the trade deadline. Um, you know, it's it's about identifying those types of players. I think more so than. Uh, than anything at this point. It's trying to figure out, okay, if there's if we're trading away a Yuri Kulik, if we're trading away a Noah Oslin, if we're trading away a Isak Rosean, if we're trading away Matthew Savoy, who's out there right now in the NHL that is good, that is competent, that can that, you know, is on a good team, and that team may be having a problem in terms of looking at the salary cap and thinking, where do they fit in the long term future? Like there are trades that happen like that. And It's about kind of identifying that potentially. It's one of the options. I know I'm I'm probably sticking on this a little too much, but this is this is the route that I think that the Sabers could look at and take advantage of, where they say we can go out and get a good player now, have the assets up front, so that a we go out and get that type of player, but then b you know the other team can say well we want this player in return just to you know for whatever long term done. There you go. There's the trade made. We get better instantly, and then we're looking ahead to, okay, this person's going to fit here, play with these guys, and then we look into the next year and say, okay, you've got a guy now that can build and continue to develop with the young core that they already have, and hopefully next year then they can figure everything else out, which, you know, that's the next part of the puzzle, but certainly if you're looking in terms of what they should be doing now, that's part of it.
0: And again, it's it's identifying those players and figuring out what the right deal is. You want them. you want one of those players? I, I've I've been screaming this guy's name for the past few
1: weeks. Hit me. I've tweeted him out, and he's a guy that I, I just think if the Sabres can find a way to pry him from that team, I think they're better off not just this year, but I think they're better off for the next few years. It's Logan O'Connor from the Colorado Avalanche. Mm -hmm. He's a really, really, really good two-way player who's just so solid at both ends. He's physical. He's not afraid to get his nose dirty in the corners. He's not afraid to get in people's faces. He's solid defensively. He can be on your penalty kill, but he can also score. He can also set up plays offensively, and right now, He's on a Colorado Avalanche team where the Avalanche might be looking at how they sustain their future. I think they've got Nathan McKinnon's contract coming up, uh, his new contract that he just signed recently. Let me just bring up their cap-friendly. Okay, so his contract's already in. But Logan O'Connor, after this year, he's got one more year left at 1.05 mil before becoming an unrestricted free agent. That's the type of player I'm looking at where the Sabres are looking right before the deadline. What are the, I mean the I mean look at, looking at their roster right now the Colorado Avalanche they could easily look at you know maybe going after a better number two center option than Orion Johansson who's thirty one Arturi Leckinen or not Leckinen but like Miko Rantanen obviously they list him as a center but he's more of a winger he's playing most of the time alongside Nathan McKinnon
0: they're not getting rid of Rantanen though no God
1: no no yeah. no, no 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 but uh, well Rantanen interestingly enough he's Another year away from becoming an unrestricted free agent in 2025. Yep. Uh, but my point is, the the Sabers have to look at their options and and explore the potential. Like I know that there's been talk about Middlestat, and I know that Kevin Adams said, "Well, Middlestat, you know, the thing is, is the Sabers have a plethora of centers. They have a plethora of forward depth, young, good forward depth that they firmly believe has a future. Casey Middlestat." he's one of the more infuriating players on the roster at this time because he is consistently inconsistent with his play. So like, okay, what about, you want to talk about a hockey trade? I'll give you a hockey trade right now. You come up with a package, you send Casey Middlestat to the the Avalanche because there are some that say, yeah, Casey Middlestat's a top two center for the Sabres and other teams should look at that. If they're looking to trade for a top two center, Casey Middlestat might be your best option.
0: Basically, you want to flip him possibly for a winger that would help bolster a, a good two-way the side.
1: winger who brings a little grit, who brings a little tenacity, but also can be a, a, an offensive factor for your team—a complete 200-foot player, which I don't think the Sabers have enough of right now. You know, you're really relying on Zemgus Girgensons to be a complete 200-player. When
0: I, no. I mentioned a play about no. that last, <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned a play about that last hour where um, Krabs cuts through three players. And then he's got a one-on-one with Brandon Montour. But Gergensen's had floated all the way to the right to make sure he was onside instead of trying to anticipate Krebs and attack with him. And then one-on-one with Montour in the slot, he has no choice but to try to create a shooting lane and dishes it over on the right circle at the top of the right circle for a one-timer. Not a hard stop for the goalie, uh, but also shows the lack of... Opportunities that Krabs has had with yeah. talented players. And you, and you know what? You open up Middlestat moving. You
1: have obviously Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins as your top two centers. I think you've established yourself. Sorry, right, I turned my mic off uh, randomly. Uh, you've established yourself with those two guys as your top two centers going forward. Okay. You know, Middlestat is obviously a a, a, thir- a third line center. Maybe he wants a bigger role. I don't know. But if you were to trade a guy like Middlestat to Colorado as part of a package that includes Logan O'Connor coming back the other way, a guy who is likely going to get paid with his next contract, but the Avalanche have another of other players that they have to pay. Looking ahead going forward, they've got, let me see, I got their list right here. You know, they could, I mean, they could easily say, no, Logan O'Connor is a part of our future, we're keeping him going forward. But like, you know, they're going to want to get another, a new contract for, Miko Rantanen, he's a guy that is going to need to get paid. Uh, Let's see. They've, you know, looking at it further, you know, actually they have, uh, you know, they've got a decent setup, but you could make it interesting in saying, hey, Casey Middlestad's a guy that if you get him now, you could have a better second line center option right now than Ryan Johansson as your second center guy in Colorado. That's just my argument, is that if you're going to go out and try to get a, a, a nice player to go along and, and be a good two-way presence, a, a leader potentially just at both ends of the rank at the forward group, that's a guy that I'm kind of looking at and saying, how can I entice Colorado to, to get him to bring into Buffalo to, to help the overall aspect of everyone's play? And a guy who clearly has an identity when I think a huge question this year with the Sabres group is,
0: what's the identity of this team?
1: And I don't think that's answered
0: and, yet. And that is the beautiful question that we need to get an answer to. So Maybe we'll talk about it when we come back from break. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you willing to stick around? Yeah, I'll stick around. All Why right. Not. Brayton will be here in the next segment as we try to dive in more of what the what is going on with the Sabres. What can they do to fix it? And um, I guess one of the big things is what are they trying to be? That, plenty more coming up. Sports Talk Saturday. Derek, Brayton, Evan, Joe Kelly was on with us before. You're listening to WGR. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with AutoPay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without AutoPay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com Jerry Terry Pagula is as engaged now as he's ever been. I talk to him on a daily basis. If I don't talk to him every day, it's, it's a text. I mean, I was at the Beanpot yesterday in Boston scouting and texting him during the game and he watches every one of our games watches you know he's watching college hockey last night and he's as engaged as ever been and truly wants to get this right and he's as frustrated as i am as donnie is as our players are and our fans are that was sabers general manager kevin adams on earlier this week mm-hmm. and um do also, something my guy he
1: also made the comment that uh Casey Middlestat, he's looking to secure him long term. Which okay, like what do you? Yeah, I mean, the one thing this year the Sabers have been very good at is being inconsistent. Uh, is being consistently inconsistent, and the poster child for that is Casey Middlestat. Yeah, sorry, you really want to keep that around? Uh, I'm, I know I come off as very salty when I say stuff like that. No,
0: but... it's also, it's also creating a logjam. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing. Like i I've said, and uh, I've said a couple of things over the past couple of weeks about Peyton Krebs. Hmm. That's yeah. Let's get into Peyton Krebs. Please. We'll get into Peyton Krebs, but uh, by extension, Matthew Savoy, mm-hmm. Yuri Kulik, mm-hmm. Isaac Rosean, Noah Ostland. Those are players you want to see on this roster, right? Mm-hmm. They're not getting there. No, because the Savers have locked up a center court, and if you lock up Casey Middlestat, you're disallowing Krebs, you're disallowing Savoy, you're mm-hmm. disallowing Kulik, Roseanne, even even Osland. Like they're all forgotten people at that point. You're you're extending a core that hasn't made the playoffs. You're rewarding futility. And there does need to be a shakeup. I guess that is I guess this is where rumors happen and like Casey Middlestad was kind of surprised about being in trade rumors, but here's the thing. Here's the crux of the point of it all. If you're going to acquire players and get the cupboards stacked, you need to be able to utilize them. Either that means getting rid of something that is in your team now to get them ready, or getting rid of some of them in the cupboard to upgrade so that the team is ready. You can't hold on to everyone forever, and that's the big thing that is... Uh, that That is becoming Kevin Adams' biggest weakness, I think, is just sitting on his hands. But let's talk about Peyton Krebs. I mentioned the play about him to Gergensen's, and it's just another example of you have not seen this guy playing with anyone other than, say, poor five-on-five Victor Olfson, mm-hmm. Kyle Oposo, probably your most consistent player that he's ever played with, Zemges Gergensen's, and Eric Robinson. Like, those are the players he's playing with on a regular basis. And for someone who came out of the draft in 2019 with having supreme vision and playmaking ability, get him players that will anticipate where he's going to put that puck. I mean, there's a reason why he was drafted 17th overall by the Golden Knights. And why he was the piece of the Jack Eichel return. He, there
1: was arguments that he could have gone higher in the draft if he didn't tear his Achilles right before during his draft year.
0: Yeah, and it's the only reason he fell. Think about the trade Return for Jack Eichel, Alex Tuck. You wanted a you wanted a top six option that could play right away, a first round pick, and the big prospect piece was Peyton Krebs. Yeah, it was Krebs. If and and the Golden Knights were reluctant
1: to give him up, they did not want like I think he was the piece where they were kind of like. I don't know about that, Chief. Like, I don't know if we want to really give him up. And it was just
0: like, well, if you want Jack Eichel, you got to give us him. And you got to give like, us something. Okay. And that's the big thing is that they're not they're not giving him that chance. And sometimes it looks like you know, like sometimes he's playing tentative. But also, open the gates, do something. Because like, here's the weird thing: Middlestat, like Cousins, can play wing on the occasion. Why are you not doing that to elevate Krebs up to a scoring role? Instead, like they're throwing Greenway at center Mm -hmm. at random. It's like, stop. I I don't know what's going on. I mean, legitimately, there
1: are only two centers in the last like two years that has been able to play with the likes of Oposo, Gergensen, Victor Olofsson, and this year, as you mentioned, Eric Robinson. There are only three realistic players that can play center on that fourth line. And it's been Peyton Krebs, who's the most consistent, obviously. Tyson Jost, who is now in Rochester because he couldn't stay in the lineup. And the other one is Gergensen's himself, when he shifts from wing to center. And he can
0: play center, like which he, he's shown it.
1: Which is the weirdest
0: thing to me right. of you have a center that can play on the fourth yeah. line, who has played on their fourth right. line as the center. And,
1: and I get it. It's be, And I get why, over, the, over time... Krebs has remained on that fourth line because Don Granado has just stuck with what works. And that, that line of Krebs, Oposo, Gergensen's works. Is it perfect? No. However, however, there have been nights that line is your best line on the ice. For instance, Thursday night against Florida, the Krebs line was the best, excuse me, the best line on the ice throughout the entirety of that game. It's because nobody else was able to get to the net or create high-danger scoring chances enough to be able to prove otherwise. And you played a Florida Panthers team, and you need your best players playing at their best in that game in order to have any chance at beating the Florida Panthers. And it just shows. You put 45 not-so-high-quality shots on goal. You didn't get to the front of the net to make Anthony Solars' life a living hell in front of the net. And he made 45 saves to shut out the Buffalo Sabres. Again, another shutout win for another team that you don't challenge them enough. You don't get in front of the net. You don't get in those high-quality chance areas to get decent chances to put the puck in the net. We watched it last week when we were at the game against the Blues.
0: Nobody's really going to the net. There's not enough. There's three players that you see consistently trying to get there. Trying to. And those are... Tiny 18-year-old Zach Benson Mm -hmm. who has that dog in him. Yep. J.J. Paterka, because he's trying to sniff out those scoring chances. And Dylan Cousins. Dylan Cousins, who, who plays on the same line with Paterka and Benson. That line, the kid line right now,
1: is the only line that's willing to get in those dirty areas to get to the net. And obviously people can say, well, what about Peyton Krebs? Like, we're moving him up. Like, what has he proven? Peyton Krebs is a guy who I think gets to the dirty areas and is one of the most grittiest players on this team. And again, it goes back to the whole conversation of what is this team's identity? They don't have an identity because they haven't figured it out yet, which is amazing because you brought back the the entire forward group, essentially, with the exception of adding Zach Benson because Jack Quinn wasn't healthy to start the season. You brought back the entire forward group thinking there was that identity there when really... They caught fire towards the end of the season. They just missed out, and it was almost just like, all right, well, we'll figure out a way to make this work again.
0: Uh, Okay. Now, here's the fascination. Paul tweeted it out a couple days ago of uh, line rushes. Oh, no, not a couple days. It was just yesterday. Uh, Line rushes for practice yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got cousins with Middlestat and Greenway. I'm fascinated to see how that works. I mean, you've got two guys. I mean, and I'll say this about Jordan Greenway, too. He
1: has those flashes of, I'm going to go to the net, and I'm going to make... You know, make my presence known. He's a big guy. He's got the big size. He's got to him. the big size, but he doesn't do it enough. He doesn't do it uh, enough again. For the whole his consistent, inc- consistently inconsistent argument. He's a guy that consistently will infuriate people because he's either at the net or not the net. He's at the net, at, you know, inopportune times, or he's not at the net when you need him there the most, especially on the power play. But that's that's another discussion. He's he's set up in a spot where he should not be. Skinner,
0: Thompson, and Tuck looks like it's been reunited for a little bit of, t- and that's, and little that's bit of fine. time here. And that's fine. Let that, let that ride. But here's the fascination. Krabs gets Paterka and Benson, the two players mm-hmm. that we just described as one who has not met a shot that he doesn't like. Yep. And the other who has that perennial dog in him at 18 years old. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of players that a playmaker like Krebs would love because they are going to get into those high danger chances. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that play with Gurgensons for a reason. Paterka is anticipative. He knows where he has to go. He will anticipate that if you get near the net, good things are going to happen. His offensive to instincts
1: fire. are incredible.
0: The instincts there. Benson is a guy that is going to fight and claw no matter where he is and then somehow inexplicably get a penalty called on he him. He's
1: one of the best four checkers on the team. 100%. <laughs> he like, he, he gets Benson. hooked
0: by Evan Rodriguez the other night and trying to go through uh, Forsling as well.
1: He's the one that gets the penalty. Yeah, because his his arm got up. <laughs> And I don't think there was any contact made at all. But oh no, he got a high stick. I'm I'm start. I, I'm I mean, the really, game was over at that point. But again, it just kind of you just you're scratching your I'm head. I'm going just to like, again what, publicly posit. What are you doing?
0: I'm again publicly positing the theory that he insults the refs every every <laughs> every pregame skate. I that there's has there's no other legitimate reason I could think of. he has got a little Shorzy in him. If yeah, if. Brayton, if you're in the locker room, can you ask Benson for me? Like, do you insult the referees? Why do you get so snake bitten with calls? Yeah, like they ha- we need an answer, and I don't know what it is because otherwise I'm going to continue to theorize he's insulting the referees before every pregame skate.
1: But but like to to the point of Peyton Krebs because like, he better be. Yeah, to so the point of Peyton Krebs. Like this is this is the type of stuff we need to see with Peyton Krebs because. He he has that that dog in him. I really do believe he is he is a guy who I think we know what his identity is. He's a playmaking guy who's not afraid to get his nose dirty, go to the areas that need to be, be that he needs to get to to make a play for his team. Yes, he's a guy we'd like to see shoot more, or we'd like to see uh, getting those quality chances on net. Okay, that's a good argument, and I understand that argument. But at the same point. His vision is uncanny. The way he anticipates plays with the puck on his stick. He, he, you know, A guy like Paterka, who you've mentioned, whose offensive instincts are great. You put him with Peyton Krebs, who's a guy who anticipates where teammates are going to be on a consistent basis to try and get them there. Because guess what? As you mentioned with that Gergensen's play, Peyton Krebs makes that play anticipating he's going to have somebody there with him. And then he makes the, the pass or whatever, and it's just like...
0: Jurgensen's at the top of the Gergensen's circle. Jurgensen's is
1: nowhere close. But that's Peyton Krebs with his instincts doing the right thing, and then just the teammates not there. That line of Krebs, Benson, Paterka. Yeah, they may not be the biggest line. They may not be the they'll, the they'll most play intimidating fast, line.
0: Loose. Yes. Aggressive and highly anticipatory. Highly anticipatory. That's the big thing. Is that he needs players that have that instinct of where to be, Mm -hmm. because he will find the way to dish first, which is a weakness of his game. It it is a weakness of his game. He should have some confidence to actually fire the thing himself. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he can score. He's shown. He can score. But if he's going to be that type of player, you need to set him up with success. Mm -hmm. And having a player that has four points this year, all just goals that are of the greasy variety, doesn't get me that success. Yeah.
1: And and honestly, like I get, you know, again, Krebs playing on that fourth line because it's worked. It has worked over the last couple of years. They've had excuse me, they've had the chemistry and and but the problem is is that Krebs wants to play at a certain pace and Gergensen can get there, but the other winger on that line, Kyle Oposo, can't.
0: All the time. I'm not even going to say that Zemgis can get there. He doesn't anticipate, so then he's not right. where he needs to be. Right. But but just in terms of just the, the speed overall, the speed aspect of it, I'm
1: talking here. It's just like Krebs and Oposo have the speed, or um, and, and Gergensons have the speed, Oposo doesn't. Oposo may have the anticipatory uh, actions and initiative in his A little his bit play, of
0: offensive instinct.
1: Right, and just can't always get there. Whereas Gergensons doesn't necessarily have that instinct, doesn't have... The the thought process the in his head to anticipate got, where his where his teammates are the going. The player
0: who got lost in the All Star game, legitimately lost, didn't know what to do in an All Star game, <laughs> not scoring. Wow, mm. what a surprise! All right, we got to wrap this thing yeah, up. We'll be uh, we'll be in and out on the last segment here. The Sabers take on the Wild at five o'clock today. I'll be back here for pregame for you at four. You're hearing all that and more right here on WGR. Alright, thank you to surprise guest today, Todd Callum, the voice of the Purple Eagles. You'll be able to hear him tomorrow, 140 pregame right here on WGR. I love Todd. Love Todd. Love hearing from Todd. And we managed to get him uh, just... Off the cuff, live radio kind of nonsense shenanigans. Thank you to Joe Cali as he was able to do the first couple hours here with us. Uh, Thank you, Brayton, for coming not just for a guest segment, but for the entire third hour. Thank you for having me. That was also a surprise. Live radio, baby. It just moves. Um, No thank you to the uh, stale donut that I ate, stupidly. Um, Yeah, go get that addressed. Yeah. Go get that addressed, he says. All right. Uh, now we're, we're, we're towing some lines. Evan, thank you, as always. Doing a good job here on the board for uh, Sports Talk Saturday for you all. And thank you to all of you. Be uh, sure that-
1: to hear Derek on pregame coverage starting at 4. Sabres Wild at 5. If I'm alive from the donut. Oh, you will be. Okay. we will well, be fine.
0: We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Probably, maybe, hopefully. Uh, but for my guests... For Evan, for Joe, for Brayton, as well in studio, I'm Derek Kramer. You've listened to another edition of a rambunctious, obnoxious Sports Talk Saturday. Thanks for not immediately turning it off, if you didn't. And uh, we'll see you next week, baby. But I'll be back in just a couple hours. Sabres pregame for the Buffalo Sabres at the Minnesota Wild. 4 o'clock pregame, 5 o'clock faceoff, right here on the home of the Buffalo Sabres. WGR Sports Radio 550.